hey, hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by me, and we are right now in the process of doing editing on A Lady Hyde and Emmanuel in Sin City, which will be out uh, early to mid 2022. Uh, I'm going to do this can real quick and uh, in the editing, get those done. Um, and also, your host, Jason Rudy, moi, yours truly, is also doing pro wrestling again. So I've been in the gym a um, couple days a week and then also in the um, wrestling ring. But three nights a week, or two nights and a morning, basically, uh, Tuesday, Thursday nights, and uh, Saturday mornings. So, yeah, it's been taking up quite a bit of my time, because when I'm not in the ring wrestling, um, I'm usually recovering from wrestling and hitting the gym and uh, hitting the hot tub and all that steam room, getting my muscles back to where they should be, and then building them up, and uh, also watching Franco films and recording the Franco podcast and editing the two films as well. So I would have liked to done a little few more films in this time, but, um, you know, films cost money as well. And, uh, right now my budget was for those two films. So I'm good at for this time being, but, uh, I will be starting up films again, um, in the new year. So be on the lookout for that. So just wanted to give you a quick update on, what's been on the horizon for Desperate Visions and Jason Rudy. So, on the horizons is uh, something that I like to see on Lena Romay. And uh, on this one, this is basically a Lena Romay showcase. Um, Celestine, an all-around maid. France, 1974, a French visa issued. Um... Original theatrical title in country of origin, Celestine Bonatot-Ferry. Celestine, the maid who does everything. Um, alternative title, Celestine Bonatot-Ferry, okay. Uh, that's basically the same way through the French. Um, UK theatrical, Celestine, made at your service. Uh, then also... Unfaithfully, your maid Celestine, uh, girl for intimate hours, German theatrical, Marken für Eichen Studen. That's yeah, girl for intimate hours, and then Belgian poster is uh, Celestine, made for all work. Celestine, made for all work. Uh, German video, a woman for everyone. Ein Marken für allein, für allein, für all. Uh, Celestine, U.S. theatrical poster, go video sleeve, French DVD cover, and then, um, yeah, okay, so, uh, production company, Comptour Francois de Film Production out of Paris, theatrical distributor, Comptour Francois de Film Production out of Paris, once again, same as a production company, uh, Cinchetta, Film Distributors of London, uh, the club distribution, yeah, so the London, this is one of the films that would they would play these like sex film clubs. They weren't regular release cinemas. You had to have a membership to go to these places, and that's where you could see a lot of the uh, Franco films, like Venus and Furs and that, and a lot of the 
those films that played London. They were doing that. It's kind of crazy. Uh, a lot of this, this film, especially from this era. Um, okay, and then we have uh, Cineworld Corporation, the USA distributors. Shooting on this uh, is from Mar- it says from well, actually before we go any further, Murderous Passions, Stephen Thrower, uh, the Murderous or the Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume One of Two. So we get all the information from. Um, so yeah, shooting date is from March Fourteenth, nineteen seventy four. Uh, the French visa issued was July 30th, 74, and it played in France October 3rd of 74. Like six, seven months later, something like that. Uh, which isn't bad for Franco, it's actually pretty quick. Uh, UK X certificate grounds uh, October 24th, 74, Belgium, Brussels, January 23rd, 75, Italy, Turin. Uh, June 9th of 75, UK, Portsmouth, uh, June 28th, 75, and USA, Sandusky, Ohio. Wow, that was its premier place. December 15th, 1976. So yeah, like two years after its original shooting date. Two and a half years, actually. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Okay, so uh, theatrical running time, France, 91 minutes, UK, Cut from 84 minutes down to 79 minutes. So you have two cuts on that. Um, oh, yeah, so note, I have yet to watch this film. I'm recording this intro before I watch it, uh, before I review it, when I usually do it in reverse. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, I wanted to get some of this in the can and record it. So, so yeah, so I have yet to watch this. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, cast, uh, Lena Romay as Celestine. Howard Vernon as M. Le Duc, grandfather. Olivier uh, Mathot as M. Le Conti de la Fragette, Goldhorn. Pamela Stanford as Mademoiselle Maroc. Um, Bigotini as Melu, the valet. That's funny, Melu. The valet. He's Melu again. Uh, Lynn Montiel as Linda Montiel. Plays the Countess Hermann de la Fragette. Uh, Anne Gladsiek as Anne Garek plays Jeannie, Celestine's friend. Henry Guyon as Philip Guyon plays Matthias Vanoy, a thief. Ramon Ardid plays Sebastian, a.k.a. Rapido. Jean-Pierre Granat as Laurent Terrac, Marc, Le Conte's son. Um, Catherine Lefevier, the cook. Sebastian's wife. Uh, uncredited, Monica Swam plays one of Leroux's prostitutes, Madame Ursula, governess, for two roles. Jean Pierre, Jean Pierre Bellu plays the first brothel raid policeman, and Jess Franco plays a man awakened by fleeing prostitutes. Interesting, good credit, man awakened by fleeing prostitutes. Um, Credits, director Jess Franco, screenplay adaptation and dialogue by Nicole Franco. It says in brackets, Guttard. Uh, director of photography, Ethine Rosenfeld. Um, oh, is it called Guttard? I wonder if that's... Hold on one second. I don't think that's her, but let me check real quick. 
when I was Carolyn Rivera. Never mind. Um, okay, uh, director of photography. Yeah, I, I was thinking it says screenplay adaptation and dialogue by Nicole Franco. I thought maybe that was um, Catherine Rivera, but it's not. Um, or maybe it is. We'll see. Director of photography, Itn Rosenfeld. Editor, Gerard Kekonin. Again. Music by Paul de Cineville, Olivier Toisson. Presented by producer, Robert de Nessel. Unit manager, Miguel Briand. Production secretary, Fernando Menur. Assistant director, Richard DeConnect. Nice. A.K.A. Bigotini. So yeah, Bigotini here is in the film, and he's also assistant director. Uh, press photographer, Howard Vernon, as the great Mario Lippert. One of my favorite aliases that I plan to use in one of the upcoming films. So, yeah, so in either uh, Lady Hyde or Emmanuel, look for Mario Lippert in the credits. Um, makeup, Denise Tayak, film stock, Kodak Eastman, uh, carry all the other stuff. Note, Ellen Petit adds co-still photographer Ramon Ardid. So that's cool. Yeah, you had Ramon Ardid and um, Howard Vernon shooting um, press photos and stuff on this. All right, so... Let's see the synopsis for the review portion. All right, production notes. Uh, after the recent spat of Euroscene projects, Franco turned his attention to a run of five films for Robert D. Nessel's Comte II Francois de Film production, beginning on March 14th, 1974, with Celestine Bonatoit-Ferry. Review. This talky, hyperactive farce is the only one of Franco's three mid-70s comedies currently available in English, and in the absence of much fan enthusiasm for the others, it's likely remain so for quite some time. When it comes to saucy sex comedies a la Francois, my tolerance is low, regrettably. Celestine is jammed to the gussart with a sort of frivolous slap and tickle that I personally find unbearable. It's a film of twanging bed springs, comedy leering, Hayworn romping and jolly fat men getting cross-eyed during oral sex. Howard Vernon puts in a pungently overripe turn as the Duke, a bedribbon, dirty old man, just a squint away from Benny Hill or Sid James. This, sound, this film sounds fucking awesome to me. I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Hill's cheeky humor is also echoed by his irritating habit of having the actors prance around on re- tiptoe while the faux harpsichord score mercilessly pumps up the jolliness factor. Wow. Generally, the, verbi- the verbose script brings out the worst in everyone. Franco's direction, as if paralyzed by so much talking, is reduced to point the camera and shoot, and for most of the cast, chiefly the men, it's fair to say, comedy acting is really just a matter of going over the top. Perhaps I'm just a grumpy old pervert. Perhaps I'm so hooked on Franco's sadomasochistic sex that I can't enjoy the happy version. If so, I'm clearly the wrong person to appreciate Celestine's brand of softcore dollary. I can honestly say I've never burst into joyful laughter during sex, nor have I ever felt that sex would be improved by added giggling. Silly, saucy, sexy fun might be the sort of strapline to sell DVDs of this movie, but to my ears the words are like fingernails down a comedy blackboard. But to my ears the words... 
I'm sorry. Um, when you add the final ingredient, a lesson in healthy sexual freedom dispensed by a simultaneously airheaded and worldly wisely character, then Celestine is truly a servant's chore to watch. Franco on screen. Franco makes a brief appearance as a sleeping man awoken by Celestine and her friend Jeannie. Cast and crew. Celestine is Lena Romay's film, as much as was Female Vampire. It's showcased for her beauty, her unhemmeted sexual presence, and her comic acting skills, of which the first two are undeniable. Uh, in terms of her gift for comedy, she's certainly at home with the role and has no difficulty negotiating the script, which, as noted, is a great deal busier than usual for a Franco film of the period. It's a cheeky, playful performance, relentlessly so, in fact, that she plays only a few notes on the scale is not her fault with the circums circumscription of the part she's entirely successful. This is an interesting film for those curious about Ramon Ardid, Lena Romay's husband before Franco. We're reminded by his youthful looks and demeanor that theirs was a tenderfoot affair. Romay was only 18 when she first met Franco, and Ardid looks himself barely older. This is Ardid's, Ramon Ardid's most featured role in Franco's cinema in terms of both screen time and frequency of close-ups. Monica Swim plays two completely disconnected roles in the same story, a prostitute at the start of the film and the Chateau's governess for the rest. It's interesting. Music, written by regular collaborator Paul D. Sonnefeld and Olivier Toussaint. Um, they did uh, Convé de Femmes, the Tripatis, French Deep Throat, Kiss Me With Lust. Uh, this has to be my least favorite Franco score, a chorting rinky-dinky keyboard nightmare that makes watching the film twice as difficult. It's a pity because Sintasville and Toussaint delivered a wonderful score for a roughly contemporary French porno film, uh, peeping Tom in the limelight. Uh, locations. It's a sure sign you're the wrong audience for a sex film when you find yourself admiring the furnishings more than the haunting. <laughs> uh, that said, the key location is stunning. The lavishly decorated mansion near Fontenay-Trigasset in the Val de Marne that also provided the setting for Franco's disturbing er eroticism. Uh, I disagree. I, you can actually be both. You can be the audience and admire the background. I am that audience as well. So I, I like all the backgrounds in the film, and I always laugh at myself for noticing cool plugins or things on the shelf, even when said humping is going on. But you can always go back and forth, you know, because you're just the viewer. Uh, UK theatrical release submitted to the BBFC by Chinchetta Film Distribution as. Celestine made at your service was the running time of 84 minutes, one second. The film received an X certificate on the 24th of October, 1974. A Continental Film Review photo spread appeared in the March 1975, heralding the film's release in UK sex cinemas. By July 75, it had scored playdates in the Birmingham Jossie, and other provincial venues. Okay. And connections. Um, Celestine and All Around Maid borrows the lead character's name and occupation, though little else, from Octave Marbeau's 1900 novel, Diary of a Chambermaid, filmed by Renoir in 1946 and Bunnell in 1964. It is otherwise barely connected to the 
Hypocrisies of the rich and powerful are given a gentle rip-poking, but nothing of the abrasive spirit of Marbell's emerges. In one of the few direct parallels between the book and the film, a thief steals from the rich household in which Celestine works, making off with all their treasures. In Franco's film, Celestine is pressed against her will into helping the odious, the odious criminals, her one-time pimp. In the book, Celestine is not directly involved, but looks on with savage glee as the household suffers the pangs of deprivation and outrage. Uh, soaking up with delight the anguish of her employer, she muses on the wonderfully criminal who has pulled off with great theft. To be fair, Celestine, an all-around maid, does not claim to be an adaptation of Mirabeau's text, but you feel yourself wondering why Franco, him having borrowed a few of his trappings, didn't attempt something closer. In fact, the politics of the book are actually introverted and the adversarial currents diverted. While uh, with Celestine serving to unite disparate and dysfunctional elements in an aristocratic household, the film plays like a vulgarized adaptation of Palestini's Teorama, which instead of forcing hypocrisies into the light and fracturing the bourgeois illusions of family, the heroine heals the household without challenging the social or sexual hierarchies within. Uh, the versions in 83, Franco remade the film as El Abuelo, La Condesa, El Encarleto, La Travesia, which officially named Octave Marbeau as an inspiration in the credits. The film was completed, but strangely has never been released. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why. All right, well, yeah, looking at the pictures, yeah, it looks good. It uh, looks like they use um, the bed, the same bed from um, Exorcism with the really cool poles um, that you've seen uh, in that. I think what scene was in Exorcism. Uh, oh, yeah, the, fr- the, the, one, the bed with Franco um, beating uh, Lena. They use the same bed, and that is the bed Howard Vernon sleeps in. Looking at the photos, it's the same bed as that. And Lena does look absolutely fantastic in this film by the photos in the book. So I do look forward to watching this. Yeah, it seems like almost a, like you said, a very lighthearted sex comedy romp. Nothing too heavy. So that's cool. Something different to watch, especially after Exorcism. It's a nice uh, palate cleanser, you know. Um, so, yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, please email us at. This cord sucks. You can email us at uh, FrancoObserver at yahoo.com. And you can find us on Facebook at the Franco Observer Podcast. On Instagram at the Franco Observer Podcast. We're always putting up. Uh, when the episodes drop every Wednesday, of course, every Wednesday morning, there's always a new episode. Um, some months, if there's four Wednesdays, there's four episodes. Sometimes I'll throw in a bonus one um, with me doing uh, wrestling and everything and with my co-host Eric having less availability, um, kind of just doing however many there are. So if there's four Wednesdays a month, unfortunately, I'm only going to do four instead of five. But you'll still get one episode a week every Wednesday. So that's always my promise. So I'm going to keep, keep that promise as long as I can because uh, when you break promises, people lose faith in you. So I don't want to break my promise. So keep listening and uh, help me with more people, and I'll keep my promise. So 
Alrighty, well, you know, we're always here in praise of Franco, bringing new eyes and ears to the works and writings and photography and zooms of Mr. Jess Franco, always keeping his spirit alive here on the Franco Observer podcast. Um, This uh, film uh, is not really available on Blu-ray or DVD. There's, of course, gray market DVDs you can get through different uh, sellers. Um, but yeah, that's the only version that's out right now of these, especially this period. Um, this would be a, a simple film for, uh, Severin or, um, Monte Macabro or, you know, any of those companies to really a redemption or something to put out, you know, um, I don't see it as anything that's shocking from what I'm reading that, you know, they wouldn't get in trouble. So yeah, they put it out, you know, keep putting out just uncle justice films. It looks great. Lena looks great. Howard Vernon looks funny. Bigotini's eyes and mustache look on par for this. So, yeah, you know, release it. There's worse out there. So, come on. More Franco for us to buy. You know, we will. So, all right, we'll hang out and uh, listen to the bumper music. And on the other side, you'll hear the review of Celestine, an all-around maid. Bye. Buddies, welcome once again to the Franco's River Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, and uh, we are on episode 60, film 60, Celestine, an all-around maid. And uh, somebody who knows about all-around maids, uh, actually, I don't know if he does or not, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of a cheesy line to use, but try to use it somewhere, but, you know, uh, is uh, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey, hey. I, I all around made my bed. Exactly. <laughs> you all around made it here to review the movie. There you go. It's almost like that movie Made to Order. Was that with uh, J- J-Lo or whatever, Jennifer Lopez? A little different. Or Made America or one of those. Made to, yeah, it was one of those. I think it's Made to Order, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Made to Order. I've never seen it. Yeah, me either. I just remember the, the title. She's like a maid in a hotel and... Uh, she meets somebody rich or something. But I don't know if she like sucks them off like Lena does with uh, Big Otini. But yeah, so. But yeah, so anyway, um, I don't know. I think Lena, I was, I was watching this too. It was like Lena, Lena is always like the epitome of sex in all of like Jess Franco's films that she's in. And like of all the women, I mean, everybody has their own thing, but Lena is always just sex, 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 and just the way she moves. So, and in this film, she really plays it up to that hilt where it's, she is temptation. If it's uh, talk about the fear or desire, this is definitely desire. And Lena is one that everybody desires in the film. Yeah. And uh, I think Eric was getting a little jealous because he likes Lena. And then, like, I was really getting into Lena in this film. And then everybody else is like a Lena in this film. <laughs> and Eric was like, fuck, I just got to sit back and watch everybody else like Lena in this film. You no, know? I, yeah, there's no jealousy. There's no jealousy. Yeah, good. There's good, no good. jealousy. Yeah, because yeah, it was like, uh, I love Lucy. It's like, I love Lena. You know, what's, what's this movie? Should yeah, yeah. It's everyone loves Lena. Yeah. So, all right, we're going to give the plot synopsis for <laughs> Celestine, an all round maid. And then uh, Eric didn't take any notes, but he has them in his head. And I took a few little notes of just some stuff that we need to go over but uh yeah so we'll talk about it all right synopsis all right um synopsis france in the 18th century which of course we see plug-in lights so i don't think there was plug-in electricity in the 18th century 
thrown, <laughs> <Totally> fences. <laughs> exactly. Thrown out of Madame Lulu's brothel after a police raid, Celestine and her friend Janine flee across the fields in their lingerie. They separate, but agree to rendezvous later. At nightfall, Celestine sneaks into the grounds of a large chateau. Just one second. Good. Okay. Uh, she is spotted by Sebastian, the gardener, who hides her in the barn. They have passionate sex. Passionate? passionate? I know. That's... Ten seconds. <laughs> it was even that. Before passionate, or before Sebastian returns to his wife. In the morning, Malou, the valet, discovers Celestine. Fortunately, he's a good-natured sort who takes a shine to the girl and informs her that the chateau belongs to the Count and Countess of Brongat, who are currently seeking a servant. The Countess, a frigid aristocrat, is hard work, but Celestine wins a job as a maid thanks to her guile and attractiveness. The other residents at the household are M. Le Comte de Fraguette, who Celestine recognizes as one of the regular customers at Madame Lou's, Mark, the Count's son, and Martine, the Count's prudish niece, and the Count's father, the Duke, a libidious old goat with a fixation on erotic literature. Chief among the female staff is Ursel, a stern lesbian governess. Uh. All of them have needs that Celestine can service. Celestine learns that Martine is secretly in love with Mark, so she sets about helping her to seduce him. Soon, Celestine realizes she has taken on more than she can handle. Everyone is vying for her sexual attentions. She therefore persuades the household to hire her friend Janine, who willingly lends a hand with the sexual chores, too. Meanwhile, Matthias, a mean and vicious pimp, learns of Celestine's new life and blackmails her into stealing valuables from the chateau. On the advice of the duke, who has a regained his vigor thanks to Celestine's readings from the Marquis de Sade, the household bands together to save Celestine and Janine and defeat the pimp. However, all things must change. Malou finds love with Ursel. Mark spends his nights in the company of his loving cousin. Wow. Uh, the countess loses her frigidity and makes constant love to her horny husband, while Sebastian resolves to honor his wife and be faithful to her. Celestine and Janine, having changed the household forever, leave with a tinge of sadness. So, uh, Eric, did you leave this film with a tinge of sadness? No, no. Yeah, it was, it was almost like uh, like that tinge of sadness in the end. That Actually, that scene kind of made me kind of laugh because it's like they're leaving – like, oh, my work here is done. And it's just, it's a close up on uh, Lena. And she's just like staring back at the house, just remembering all the, all the lessons taught and all the, the, all the sperm you know, she swallowed. God, man. Yeah. And like, then she leaves, like, oh, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. It was a sex movie. It was <laughs> right. Well, that's what I was saying because, like, there were some shots in the film that looked like it could be something out of like Howard's End or like some '80s, you know, My Dangerous Liaisons or whatever. One of those type yeah. of like movies that were really popular. Like, there's like the location was legit, and some of the shots from like over the shoulder looking outside of the grounds. And so I was like, wow, this is a really nice shot. And this looks really good and stuff. But then you have other shots where you have like Lena putting her head between Bigotini's legs, which I don't know, man. <laughs> 
I've seen Leo with everything, but seeing her big team, you go, oh man, just, yeah. just kind of cheapened her a little bit. But I mean, like some of those shots, like you're talking about, were right. beautiful setups. Like I mean, with the out the courtyard, I mean, oh, like, yeah, the yeah, outside yeah. yard and totally. the window frame and the silhouette of the person standing in the. It's beautiful. It, it kind of reminded me of like Kubrick's. Like was it Barton Fink? That's kind of the period. Kubrick one would be uh, Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Barton the, the Fink's of, um, Coen Brothers film. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just. Uh, it was just like these incredible shots, like, but yeah, it's, totally. Yeah, I had that theme, and and I, although the music tried to be like that, or not like that, because it came out before that, but it tried to have that theme, but it, with the keyboard, but the music is so irritating yeah, after a while, it was goofy yeah. and just repeated. And I talked to Eric. I said the music would have made this a better film, and he kind of laughed and stuff. But I, I think it would made it a little more serious, even though it was goofy in a lot of ways yeah. and stuff. But I think on the shots, that music would have helped a little better I think on the serious shots yeah at least it would have helped yeah I guess I just didn't see any serious shots in here like it's just well, like the ones we just yeah. talked about looking over oh, no, shoulders yeah, like, yeah. like, like, like if you had really nice music with that shot instead yeah. of the goofy music with that shot I'd be like okay those shots would stand out or be a little stronger okay, like in the overall run like it would yeah. raise the stock of the thing and I yeah. think you know it wouldn't save it entirely but it would maybe go from a from a sixty nine, no, from like a, from like say a sixty to like a sixty five or something, just yeah. like percentage wise, just the, yeah. you know. No, those are very like, adult shots. Like those right, are right, very right. like serious filmmaker, like beautiful right. setup shots, like yeah. incredible yeah. shots. But yeah, it's uh, the whole theme of the movie is so silly. Like it was just, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I said this film does deliver is nudity, and some of his films oh, like oh, there was like very little nudity or so, or no, this movie had like nudity all the way through. Yeah. Like basically one minute in is where you see Lena nude, like topless, basically wearing this like corset with her tits hanging out, like right off the bat. We're like, okay, what's the time of that one minute? Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna go over some of the scenes I liked and stuff, but I'm gonna go over the list first and yeah. go over that and knock that out. Uh, okay, so first thing, body of water. I don't think there was any body of water. No, there was a the, there was the the fountain in the in the courtyard where I was like, oh, it's oh, okay, body of water. Oh, I didn't catch that. Okay. Had a, had yeah. a little fountain coming up. Okay, so uh, yeah, no no sailboats or boats. No, there's sailboat there's sailboats and there's motorboats. Yeah, there's exactly. motor motorboats boat. and there's sailboat races <laughs> going on. But, uh, palm trees. No, no. jungle up. sound effects. No, but there's bird sound effects yeah. that came ah, here. Yeah, exactly that same one. <laughs> Uh, number six, chained up person. No, it's no. funny. There's a lot of the stuff that isn't in his film. This one, uh, dance scenes on stage, stripping. No, no, no. club scenes, dancing. No, jazz music. No, excessive zooms. I don't know about excessive, but there was some noticeable zooms in this. Yeah. We we're looking to laugh about out of focus shots. Yeah, handful definitely. Twelve mirror shots. Yes, this movie had tons of mirror shots. Like yeah, every room weird. had a mirror in it. It seemed like I was counting like. After 20 or 30 mirror shots, I stopped counting because there were so many of them. Yeah. Uh, 14, magic tongue scenes. Yeah. Yes and no. In the main movie, I don't think so. Yeah, she licks her finger. She oh, that's right. She well, she's, well, she's turning the book. Yeah, and then there was also, there was another scene where she also licked. Well, there was the one on the extra scene I showed you. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. That was the really, it was like, okay, there's the real magic tongue yeah, scene. Yeah, but there was yeah. another, there was another. Well, the, I think you might be finger, right. She was kind of like. She was doing that, uh, you know, exaggeratingly right. for him. That's true. That's but true. But then there was, she did, uh, it was on a, I think it was a female that she did lick her. Yeah, her finger or something, I think. Yeah. But yeah, okay. So yeah, 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 yeah there, there was, was. There was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would say yes. Yeah. But even if the uncut version, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, okay. So I skipped one, actually. Number 13, uh, mind control theme. No, not really. Oh, I mean, no. They, they were all under yeah, the control like, of, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Eric knows about that kind of control from Lena. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I sympathize with you. Yeah. Dude, they were, yeah. They were, they're definitely, their minds are definitely. Yeah. Uh, Take me to your leader. Yeah. Yeah. We're being manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> their, their heads were being manipulated. Yes. Uh, their heads were being fucked with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so magic talk. Okay. So uh, 15 red light. No, because there was supposedly no electricity. Yes. But even though we've seen uh, power cords from a. Uh, film light in the in the mirror reflection and then we've seen actually the lamps on the table that were lit i go wait they're plugged into the wall i didn't catch that you know so yeah. i've seen that right away um 16 sheepskin rug yes there was sheepskin rug yes. on the same bed from exorcism so uh that counts with that because that same bed with the same rug on the same floor the black white tile um masturbation with a c item no. no, she wore a corset, but she didn't masturbate with it. Uh, that is a C item, but uh, 17, mad scientist. Not in this film, no. a mad scientist. Um, 18, fish tank shots. No, there's no fish. Well, Lena, we've seen Lena's fish tank. <laughs> That's not a fish tank shot, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> lots of sea monkeys in there. Yeah, that was a fish tank. That was a, that was a nice fish tank, man. Uh, some seaweed, some nice, nice looking seaweed in that fish tank. Uh, lots of new sprays in that fish tank. I'll start calling. <laughs> okay, I know. That's 2021. I'm supposed to talk like that. All right. Oh, fuck it. Okay, so uh, number 19, a talking parrot. No talking parrot. Was, although it was a parrot in the room, um, but it was fake. It was like in a cage. And that kind of bugged me that this was the perfect movie to have a parrot talk. Yeah, because like it was this, there, and you seen it when all those people kept coming into yeah. a room, and they're all high, and you see the burden of That would have yeah. been perfect for Franco's voice to come in there like, oh, oh they're yeah. behind the thing. Exactly. Or, you know, something like, totally. if the movie was so silly, like, this would have been perfect to have a talking burden. So that actually bothered me during this movie. Yeah, I was totally, a, <laughs> something that was there that was totally unused potential, you know. Yes. Yeah, so definitely. In credits, yes or no? Yes, it said Finn, I yeah. have to think for a second. Uh, 21 handwritten notes. I didn't catch your signs or anything like that. I didn't catch no, any. You know, no. It seemed pretty pretty good. Uh, uh, I don't know about how the budget was, but the, all the detail, like I was saying, all the costumes and, and all the stuff except for the lights and stuff was really, really good. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of that was, was pretty spot on and wasn't really chintzy or cheesy. Um, even they used like carriages and stuff, which was cool and, and stuff. And they, a few things they did, but a few things they, they kind of got lazy on, but not too bad. Uh, 22 spiral staircase shot, no. no. 23 inept cops, no. And 24 belly chains, no. no. Nothing like that. Um, but no, yeah, you have, uh, if you have a maid fetish, uh, like a black outfit, Lena definitely does satisfy that in a couple of shots. She's got the traditional maid outfit. Um, yeah, and then the shots of her with the, as the maid with uh, Howard Vernon. There's a shot of her with her ass sticking out that's not in the film, so which is interesting. So but it's in the, the the thrower book, so it must have been like a lobby card. Yeah, because it's like her ass right there, and I was yeah. like, talking about that shot. I kept watching to see that show up, but it didn't. Or at least the camera they showed his face, they didn't show her ass where this yeah. angle is. So it was like to the side. That might have been Ramon or did taking a picture as like a, a set photography picture on set maybe. <laughs> or you know yeah, just yeah, whatever in that scene possibly is that uh, could be if that was something not cut out uh, and like I said that one shot might be different too um, but yeah so um, yeah there's some good, good scenes I liked I liked uh, Bigotini and um, Lena's chemistry together they were really funny together uh, he acted like he, like he had a crush on her and he really liked her and stuff a lot um, the scene of uh, 
where she's hiding out with the cow and he doesn't see her at first and he puts the bucket down and he thinks he's milking the cow's tit but he's really grabbing Lena's tits and he goes you got really nice tits for a cow and he's like squeezed her boobs and then he thinks it's a cow and then she stands up and it's a really funny comical scene you know with him and her and, and then, then she proceeds to jump on him and fuck him exactly <laughs> he's so irresistible bigotini but uh, now, and that's what I talk about too. Lena in uh, another film, I'm trying to think what it was. She had talked about it was in uh, maybe like Hot Nights of Linda, or uh, or it might have been uh, yeah, I guess because that was the first one. Yeah, it's probably been Hot Nights of Linda. And that where just her character was just so like insatiable, where she just had to have sex with everybody, and that's how she was in this film. And and she gives a really good speech as a good scene with her and Bigotini when he has her in the carriage, and it's really shot really nice with a series of close ups with Lena's face and his face on a carriage and, and Frank was behind him filming him and, and the sunlight's on him. It looks really good. Really, really nice shot. And they're going back and forth and he's professing his love to her and how he wants to marry her and he cares for her and all that stuff. And he's spilling his heart out. And she tells him about how she appreciates it and that she, that she loves him because he sees it for who she is and blah, blah, blah. But she, but her thing is to love every man and her thing is the world to inspire art and to, be with every person and to love every person and keep going and going and going and to me that's like lena in a in like she's telling a, about herself who she is and like that speech could be her mantra or, or her thing is and it's really really a good scene i thought between those two yeah no the the it was yeah the the close-ups on them as they were talking were really nicely lit shot like, it looked like a good 70s film yeah shot, it was you know? a really good shot yeah very good um yeah, almost like a nice '70s California film or something like that. Just that sequence, you know. Yeah, it's like she's just basically saying like the world would just be a better place if like we're all just coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and her thing was just like, hey, you know, it's it, and she's like, hey, you know, people would know that you were with me, and I'm a prostitute, and everybody knows me as a prostitute, and so it would just, you know, and and it was really sad that she just put herself as that, but she knows what she was in life and what she wants to be and who she is and who she ever wants to be. Yeah. So it was, it was a really good sequence. I thought yeah, she basically said like, I'm not, I'm not faithful. And so like, this is how it's going to be. And I'm going to forget about you. Yeah. when I meet another guy who's just as nice to me. Yeah. She says, yeah. um, five minutes later, I'll probably meet somebody else and yeah. I'll just leave you. And I won't think about you anymore. And this, that, and you know, on that's and so on funny. And on. Cause he's like, he's like, you're perfect. Like you have a perfect tits, a perfect ass. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind. <laughs> I know. That's why a lot of people say, yeah, you have perfect tits, perfect ass, this, 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 and this, and then you would, you know, be a great partner in life, and this and that. It's like so funny for those. And then she goes, yeah, you're the first person that doesn't just like me for my ass. Yeah. Which is funny, yeah. you know, because he had talked about that second, you know. Yeah. But no, and there's a funny scene where he's trying to like, um, right after the cow scene where he's trying to like teach her to like kind of be dainty and he's teaching her how to walk with like this little bow and stuff. And, and Bigotini is very funny in this. He's very physical comedy. He does this little fall down the stairs a couple of times and he walks real funny and, and, uh, goes around the corners and very, very light on his feet and kind of plays like a dainty butler. But, uh, Kind of, you know, just real good. He was good. Yeah, he was, he was, actually, he was yeah. good at this. He was good. Yeah, yeah. he actually, it's funny because he's just like the assistant director, uh, Richard D. Connect, you know, and then he just gets in this movie because his mustache or how he looks or whatever, and then each film he plays kind of a bigger part. And yeah, this one he's like probably third tier, maybe like co-star or whatever. Yeah. Assuming you know, co-star, you know. But uh, yeah, and, and he's definitely good in this and kind of, you know, plays like the older butler kind of valet character and teaches her to, to kind of be certain upper class in life and brings her into this thing and and um and he never forgets his position 
Yeah. So like, even when they're all in the room and like his like they're all hiding because they're all trying to have sex with Lena, and then, then someone yeah. else comes knocking, and it's a really funny. It's a funny sequence, but like. Uh, it's funny because like his master comes in, the guy who he works for comes yeah. in, and he tries to get with Lena, and then Lena's like, "Oh, someone else is knocking. I got to go to the door." And the guy leaves his coat on the bed, and right. so um, he runs over and grabs coat, like, "Oh no, I'm always in service to you, sir." Like, you know, here yeah. you go. Like, Tilly goes, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you." <laughs> yeah, Tilly kills his own cover of trying to be secretive in order yeah. to like provide for his master. You know, yeah, and he knows his master's in on it and stuff, but. Uh, and I liked um, Monica Swim's character too because, like in there, they say that she's a lesbian and she's real strict. But like, you first see her at Howard Vernon is having her read dirty literature and she's just aghast at it. He's almost like not jerking off, but he's really getting excited by it and lushing it. And then, then and then, uh, and then you see Bigatini trying to grab her ass all the time, and she's like threatening him, like, "Hey, don't be doing this." Yeah, and really no, she was like serious. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and then in the, 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 a and, sexual assault. And then in the end of the film. He, him and her are together as a couple, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. you know, in a fragile universe, you know. Yeah. First, you have to sexually assault the people, have them say no, and all this over and over again, and then after a while, they'll they'll dig it, and they'll and they'll and they'll be with you as as a couple, you know. So that's that's according to Jess Franco. So you know, I I, I do not endorse that. I yeah. Do not endorse that. Exactly. <laughs> so, and actually, and yeah, Eric was giving me a a high five right there, but I but I shook it off, so I said no. Man. <laughs> <laughs> But no, yeah, that's uh, yeah. It, you know what I was doing with that hand earlier. <laughs> exactly. He was writing a fan letter to Bigotini. <laughs> and if you want to write us a fan letter, you can get a hold of us at FrancoObserver at Yahoo dot com. Now that was fucking smooth. That is smooth. <laughs> I caught myself on that one. Uh, and uh, just like Lena, you can uh, tell us how Lena inspires you. But please keep it clean, you know. And if it's really filthy, address it to Eric, and I'll pass it on to him. Yeah, no, yeah, dirtier the better. Come on, yeah, Let's do this. Send any of your Lena fan fiction to Eric. <laughs> and any of your any drawings. drawings. Anybody, I was yeah, say yeah, anybody could do drawings. some drawings of Lena. Like I, I would put them up in my apartment. Yeah, exactly. And please make sure it's like a pencil or pen, you know, for, or or paint, you know, nothing else. So you can even have your child draw it. No. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram on Franco Observer Podcast. Um, I also added, uh, I saw it pop up, so I went ahead and added it to the show. There's also a um, donation button now, so if you ever want to donate a, donate to the show as a one-time thing or over and over again or whatever it is, uh, that option's there now for you. So go ahead and keep that in mind, uh, all that good stuff. And let's see what else. Oh, yeah, uh, download and subscribe to the show. Uh, tell all your friends, share the episodes. It's on many, many, many listening platforms, uh, at least seven or eight or nine by now. Um, and, of course, don't matter what country you live in, you can listen to our show. We are worldwide and all that good stuff. So um, I think that's about it. So anything else you want to say? Uh, beautiful nights. All right. Adios. Adios.